Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. turn my mic on hello everyone and welcome to episode 123 of dial the gate my name is david reed thank you so much for joining us we have returning in this episode one of my favorite humans sue ann braun who played hathor in stargate sg1 she's going to update us on what she's been doing we have a special clip for you on something that you might want to check out check in on hathor hosts and see what uh, might be coming up in the future and uh, take some uh, questions from the community at uh, youtube.com slash dial the gate but before we begin if you like stargate and you want to see more content like this uh, continuing on youtube please consider clicking that like button it makes a difference with the youtube algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience please also consider sharing this video with a stargate friend and if you want to get notified about future episodes click that subscribe icon and giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few weeks on the gate world net youtube channels and then later on uh in the year when i go on hiatus now as this is a live episode sue ann is live with us uh in britain so she will be taking fan questions uh directly from uh youtube.com slash dial the gate via me so our moderators are in there curating questions for sue ann so if you have something to ask her please go right ahead and ask now sue ann braun Hathor, Stargate SG-1, Sophie, and many other characters from Dying Light 2 as well. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And my goodness, 123 shows. I David, know. That is... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It has been amazing. a wild ride, you know? And like, I mean, you know, these these are not easy to produce. So no. <laughs> wrangling guests and, and making the time and everything else. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, congratulations. I'm so delighted that it's continuing to do so well. And, you know, it's just been amazing. And I'm thrilled. Thank thrilled you. you. So what's been going on with you? We're beginning to get out of this pandemic hole, starting to return uh, to, well, other we... things in the world. But I mean, what's been going on with you? Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, just before I went on, I made the stupid mistake of looking at the news headlines and... Um, oh. I see all our COVID cases are rocketing straight back oh, up. Oh, you're and... kidding. Nah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure we are over the worst of it yet, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, I have had uh, quite an eventful time, I think, since I last saw you. I pretty much spent most of last year, um, because we were kind of in and out of lockdowns. Yes. So I, my year really was like two extremes. I was finishing up the Princess Switch trilogy, um, which we shot in Scotland. And then I kind of went from that into (laughs) the complete opposite. And my first game, um, where I voiced the character of Sophie in Dying Light 2, uh, amongst others, uh, several other characters. And that was 
uh, sort of spanned about eight or nine months, um, which of was fantastic. Work. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant because initially I had no idea it was going to be as long as it was. So in the very first email that I got about it when they confirmed it, it was just for three days. And then they called me back for another three days and then another three days. And I was kind of like, because I've done lots of voice work, but not gaming, I wasn't right. really sure what the procedure was. So I was just like, okay, okay. Um, and then kind of about two weeks in, they went, look, we'd like you to play this part. Um, and then like the work really began kind of thing. Uh, so that was just brilliant and loved it. Loved every second of it. So what is it like? Cause you've done voice work before. What is it like yeah. doing for a video? Did you do motion capture for this? I don't think this game has motion capture in it. No, it's strictly doesn't. voice. I, I think they did do a tiny bit of motion capture for the parkour stuff. Right. Um, There's a lot of <laughs> leaping and climbing and jumping. Exactly. Um, so this was like, a quite difficult actually because also they were changing the animations all the time and so a lot of the time you would get given a a sketch which may or may not be complete of a character and then a kind of brief description and then I they could all see me (laughs) so I was in a studio they could everyone could see me and people were remote and we had people all over the world so Techland are based in Poland and then we had producers in LA and the director was wow. in London and we were recording at side studios, the brilliant side studios in London who also have offices in LA. Wow. And then they would kind of show me and say, what do you think this character should sound like? And or sometimes they would go, um, you know, she's European or American or we don't want this. They were trying to stay away from very British characters. So I played one English character and the rest were all American or other nationalities um and then they just sort of let you play and very quickly because also the drawings are kind of like useful in the description so very quickly they'd kind of go um we like this the second voice you did let's go more on that ballpark but with Sophie they had a really very very clear idea and they basically wanted my kind of my voice just standard American you know, sort of sounding like me. I mean, she's the closest one, I think, to sounding like me, just she's American. Wow. Now, was this eight months of development for just Sophie or for all the different characters that you did? Is that is that why it took as long as it? I'm just, I'm just so surprised to hear, hear it taking that long. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not accustomed to in the in the stories that I've heard about um, about uh, uh, production for for audio for a game that taking right. that long and to be fair this is this is a game where you basically choose your fate you know there yeah. are, there are different narrative branch points to be sure so I, they probably had more going on than than you know your your typical parkour video game yeah exactly and I think it's an epic cast there's so many people involved. Um, I wasn't in every single day, so mm. it it spanned eight months on and off. So sometimes mm. I'd be in every day for a month, then I'd have like two weeks off, and then I'd go in for a day or two days. Um, with Sophie, uh, she was, that was the bulk of the work for mm. me. Uh, and then I play another character called Anna, and she was probably about two days work. And then they're little bits and bobs. So I would sometimes come in. So how they do it is they book a session. Right. And when they're smaller roles, so the session's like four hours. 
And in those four hours, you maybe go through three or four characters. Um, And one of the characters I did, I'm slightly disappointed. The character stayed, but my version of her, I think they were all a bit like, (laughs) because they wanted her to be, she's a really tough soldier, very matter of fact. Uh, And they didn't want her to be, or they they weren't sure if they wanted her to be American. And I was like, she has to be South African. (laughs) Really tough. And I think they were all kind of like, um, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, we did. We recorded the whole kind of character whose name is Maya. We recorded all of her as South African. (laughs) I never heard another word. So I was like, okay, I guess somebody higher up was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? If you don't try, then how can you... Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you had to put your spirit in it. And sometimes people aren't going to bite. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, we would do stuff. There was another character... Um, who was kind of old and almost like a witch. And I had a very clear idea of what I wanted and they loved it. But then like two weeks later, I went back and they were like, "Mm, it sounds a bit similar to this character, Mm. which we didn't realize because there's so many characters. So I was like, okay, fine, quick, you know, alteration. And we kind of redid stuff. Um, And the hard thing, like one of the big challenges when you can't see what the action. So I found that quite difficult. And then I know like, Matching the mouth has been, uh, I think it's, I sort of read somewhere that that's come up a bit in this game. Oh. Um, but yeah, but I it's I noticed quite, that. Yeah. Okay. Well, some of them, they changed Sophie completely. She looked completely different when I did the recording. Oh. So I can safely say that that was not my fault. <laughs> 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 but I think, listen, they are the coolest, loveliest people, Techland. And I am just so delighted to be in a game you know and it like to say you know I'd gone as I said from Mrs Donatelli who's Mrs Christmas and lovely and family (laughs) come on children let's all go to a woman who's like kill them kill them all (laughs) it's post-apocalyptic zombies brains exactly I'm like slow motion So let's take a look at uh, one of the quote unquote uh, uh, cutscenes. It's not exactly a cutscene. It's it's a this this game doesn't really have cutscenes. It stays in the perspective of the of the first person. They're looking right at you, which which in my opinion heightens the the uh, the intensity of the situation because you're not you're not placed outside of the body when there's the story development. Um, yeah. Let's take a look at Sophie. I've, I have a you've you've brought a clip. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. Check this out. did this you <gasps> you and the peacekeepers your friends they attacked the bazaar most of us died trying to protect it i told you I told you they were murderers 
All their empty claims of wanting peace. And look. Look what they've done to the bazaar. My home. Does this look like peace, Aiden? So many years of work. So many years of fighting. Why did you even come here? I'm looking for Dr. Veronica Ryan. Well, then you're a lucky son of a bitch. She survived. Where is she now? Why would I tell you? Sophie, I didn't start this war. I was trying to warn you. You know what? Okay. That bitch Ryan used to help the PK. Said they're people just like us, and they're not. Whatever you want from her, we'll probably get her killed anyway knowing you. Which is good. I wish that for her. And as far as I know, there are also some renegades trying to take her out. Last I heard, she was hiding in a building north of Quarryand. Courtesan Rove Street. Thank you. Get out of my sight. You miserable wretch. I'm sorry, Mother. So much work. That was extremely cool. So tell us about that big scene. You said well, you had a story. Yeah, so that scene was done right near the end of my journey on the game. And on the day that we recorded it, they uh, we were filming inside and they had me in a like essentially a music studio. So really big. There's a piano and drums and obviously because they were so busy. And there was lots of stuff like running and sounds and all the kind of effort sounds as well. And then the director said, I really want like this to be, you know, she's completely and utterly defeated, speaking to her mother, dead mother, like you have to go for it. But I had no idea, like obviously there was no cutscene, no reference. And they're just these disembodied voices going, "Uh, okay, that was nice, but can you do again, please? Because... um, Anyway, we kind of went from this, like, it got more and more, because uh, in the beginning, I think I was much more contained. And eventually, sort of, the sort of producers were all kind of going, like, more, more. So by the end, I was on the floor, like, in the studio on all fours, kind of like, <laughs> weeping. And I remember at one point thinking, God, if this isn't good enough, and I don't know. But it's really hard because we are so used to, seeing a face that gives you the emotion of what someone's saying it's really difficult when it's just your voice because I would feel I was giving it you know really oh so invested and And they're not seeing your your facial performance you're saying they could see my facial performance I couldn't see anyone else oh yeah I couldn't see anyone else so they all had a camera on me in the studio and I'm, you know, reading. And also you have no one else with you. So if someone else has already recorded their lines, they will feed you that line, but often it isn't. So you've got someone who's not a performance based person just reading the line for you, or you have to guess. Um, And that was quite difficult. And they also, they do it unlike a performance in many ways where, you know, if it was an acting monologue, you would take the whole piece in one chunk and do it. With this, it's very broken up. So it's really hard to sustain Mm. uh, a level like that, particularly when she's so upset. But in the end, we had one day, and I was crying. I had like snot coming out my nose. 
I was like, <gasps> and finally they were like, that was great. And I was like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me do it again. <laughs> so yeah, it was all worth it in the end. But um, it's really challenging because you you forget when you can't see someone's face. Um, you know, you have to find other ways, other nuances to make a point apart from just getting louder. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So Anne, uh, at, uh, well, you know, the, so the platforms, if you want to go play Dying Light 2, you can find it on Microsoft Windows, PlayStations 4 and 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and I believe uh, there's a Nintendo Switch version that's also trying, that's also being ported right now. They're working on that. So there's a lot of places that you can get this uh, game. Join me on Steam. So I'm a big Steam <laughs> gamer myself. Um, but, uh, this is, this is great stuff. Are you going to put yourself out there for uh, another video game project? Do you think, you think yes, you've caught the bug? I would love to, I would absolutely love to. And I, um, you know, I'm auditioning for things all the time. So fingers crossed. I mean, I would absolutely love to do another one. What type of game would you want to, if you had your pick of the litter, uh, what t- mm. what type of game would you would you like to do next? Would you like to do something mocap? Would you like to to try that out? I would love to try mocap. I mean, I'm not so keen on the outfits. <laughs> like I've never seen anyone pull it off. <laughs> well, they're not doing it for fashion. But I know. But I would be willing to suffer. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do a mocap one. I'd love to do something really well. Obviously, naturally, if there was ever a Stargate game, hello, absolutely love to do that but uh otherwise something quite sort of fantasy based like um the witcher yes. or something like that like a game of thrones type epic you know something with powerful badass women absolutely this is this is good yeah no you keep on hammering away at it and once once you get that first credit you know, I would think that that the first the first video game credit would be the hardest to get. But maybe I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it certainly was for me. I mean, I had auditioned kind of on and off for about seven years for this company. And sometimes getting really, really close, I kind of got callbacks for um, a Star Wars, got one that they were doing for Star Wars Lego, but uh, didn't get okay. it. And, and so I was like constant and I got to a point where I was like well obviously they just don't like my voice <laughs> but I think what happens well and also I think sometimes you're just not exactly right for that project or someone else becomes about you know it's it makes me realize that it so often is about slotting people in um to make the best fit and you know luckily this time around it worked out for me absolutely you know it's I one of my favorite television shows is is Lost, and they actually, uh, in many cases, uh, hired. They brought in actors that were that were auditioning for one part, but they're like, you know what? I'm I'm in love with this performance and this this performer. Let's create a character for her. And like yeah. always in the back of my mind, I would think, you know, well, if I can't make it in this one, maybe they can create something out of. Let's collaborate and 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 put something together based on what you are providing. Let's let's be willing to alter. Or adjust yeah. something that we had so that we can create this beautiful thing together. But it sounds like it sounds like they're just plugging people in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, you know. I mean, I they are exceptional at what they do yeah. at science. 
and and I think voice casting is a completely different thing to anything else. Uh, it's a really, really um, casting in general is such an amazing and underappreciated skill, mm-hmm. uh, and I think voice casting particularly. So I am so thrilled that after many years of of trying to get in the door, I'm in. I'm in, and now they're never going to get rid of me. <laughs> and this this industry is a multi billion dollar a year industry. This thing I is so. it's growing year over mm-hmm. year with with all these um, with all these uh, uh, tournaments that are developing and everything else. This is this is the, the next big thing for sure. Yeah, so. I think one of the things too that I found so completely liberating is the sense of play, and I genuinely mean that because uh, very often when I audition now, because I am ancient and of a certain age, it's like the roles are so like two-dimensional do you know what I mean it's like I don't know either the women are all like either desperate cougars drunk and desperate in a corner at a a wedding or sort of terribly prim and you know never married anybody and so I'm happy and uptight or you know what I mean like that's it it's like there's a fantastic line in a film with Goldie Hawn playing and she's like there are only three ages in Hollywood it's ingenue um district attorney and driving miss daisy and i'm like <laughs> i've passed district attorney and i'm just before driving miss daisy well you know i i think that that's slowly changing my mother has a i haven't yeah. seen a great deal of it my mother loves this show called call the midwife oh yes and you know there's there are a lot of more New, we have a long way to go but the yeah. nuanced roles for women are starting to appear a little bit more uh, yeah exactly but again we've got a long way to go yeah so but we're getting there it is getting better and i loved that with my the game i could go to work in like a tracksuit and <laughs> right? no makeup and i could play like the sexy whatever or i could play an ancient old crone or a little boy right. or like this punk rocker chick it was so good just by changing my voice you know so that kind of sense of play that you have a drama school and that you have when you first start acting, like you, you don't really see that that much anymore because the industry is so huge now that, you know, if they're looking for somebody who is fluent in two languages and can dance on one leg while juggling eggs (laughs) being fried, they can find it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Someone out there can pull it off. Yeah. And I, you know, I, one of those lost arts, I think, that I, I'm beginning to see a little bit more uh, of with, with the likes of Audible and some of these other uh, uh, app offerings is uh, radio dramas. You know, yeah. that's that's another, except in the video game instance, it's being converted into something visual. But there's a lot um, coming back in terms of being captivated by a, a sto- just an audio story. And that's something that actors can do, you're right, in a tracksuit. You know, they yeah. just have to have time to get into the headspace and then they're good to go. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have some fan questions. Oh, let's go. And so number one, right off the top of the bat, is is one that many people are asking and that I started with. Damien Robbie wants to know, when is the next series of Hathor hosts? Can you tell us a little uh, bit about your thought process? Um, oh, you guys. So, yeah, I am... Um, I would love to do another series. I definitely, definitely think that there are actors who I still haven't got to. Uh, There's so many people I would still like to interview. I had 
a great, I have a great idea of making it, I feel like if we're going to come back, it needs to bump up a level and go, you know, I hate this phrase, but like to the next level. And I would really love to be able to make um, the show grow in, in a way that I am envisioning. And the reason I'm being so cagey is because I'm in discussions with people, but it has been very lengthy and very slow and COVID is really messing us up again. Okay. Because one of the ideas is to have a situation where people come to the show. So that's sort of all I can say at this stage. <laughs> but where it's actually the same show, but a bit like, you know, where you go and watch your favorite, like Oprah or Graham Norton. So you're talking a potential <laughs> physical space. A physical space, but also um, being broadcast uh, at the same time. So we get, you know, so we're trying to figure out the best way on how to do that, how to make it happen, how to get people to and fro, uh, whether it is better to maybe stay for the time being in the virtual arena. Um, I am quite, thankfully, quite busy this year. That's the other challenge is, as you know, it takes a lot of work. And mm. some of the things I'm busy with are just uh, personal things. Um, my beloved dad passed away uh, a few months ago. And so I need to go back to South Africa just to sort some stuff on his estate, um, which I'm hoping to do mid-year. And then I've got the fantastic Prague Comic Con coming up uh, at the end of April. Um, so I am quite busy until about June, July, uh, and then I'm not sure about the rest of the year. So it's sort of trying to work out when, and also working, as you well know, around actors' schedules. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so great that people are asking. So if you guys, would you guys like to see another series is the question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Please say anything. Absolutely. <laughs> so, however you want to configure it next, I am down. Yeah. Uh, just Thank just you. just give me a seat in the on the ground floor oh so. honey you're gonna come and be like co-host with me i think i'd We're love to, to do an episode absolutely <laughs> um your magnetism is is what people tune in for you know and Aww. it's it's Thank one of the reasons you. that i love having you on because i know that i'm going to laugh myself sick at some point so <laughs> linda alexander sue ann what memory from sg1 makes you laugh the most when think when remembering because oh. of a scene that was funny or even wasn't meant to be funny. Yeah. Oh, Linda, great, great, great question. And hello. Um, so I have two that spring to mind. One is, as you know, uh, RDA, Rick and Chris Judge were like, quite, we were all quite keen on the prank, <laughs> on kidding around and having fun. And I just remember lots and lots of like... Um, banter bants as they say the cockneys bants mate so have a little ba little bit of bants um there would be lots of banter backwards and forwards and in all these scenes like i remember very clearly one day when i was like blowing the mist and obviously because the mist was put in afterwards it was just me going like a goldfish you know <laughs> sort of doing that and like out of nowhere rick would be like whoa who had onions for lunch man god damn <laughs> so we'd have that or you know i'd just be leaning in seductively and somebody behind me would go <laughs> and sometimes not with their mouths <laughs> uh, so there was 
a lot of that. And then there was bits like when I had to open the sarcophagus and Rick was inside. He right. went through a whole phase of like holding up little pieces of paper like, hello, gorgeous, or, you know, nine out of ten. It's <laughs> like, do better. So, they're all my close-ups, and I'm like, <sighs> So that was the thing. And then the other kind of not so funny, but funny in retrospect, was when we were filming the shrimp scene in the bar. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, going shrimping. Um they were very kind and had sort of heated the bath to like a good, you know, body temperature because I was in it for quite a while. But I think they hadn't worked or realized that these, um, the lava, the sort of little yes. cooled lava thingies, the symbiotes were, you know, a plastic that after <laughs> three hours started to smell a bit funky. And I remember I was like, God, is this the, what's this, what is in this water? Anyway. Um, I finished at the end of that day shooting and I was, you know, when your fingers are all shriveled because you've been in the water for hours and I get into like the car and I could see the driver a bit like <laughs> get into the hotel and I'm in the lift in the elevator and the lift doors are closing and this woman gets in and she's like, oh, and it was me. I stank so badly. It had like seeped into my skin and it just sort of had this like stinky rubber smell which for about two days i think i walked around wow like trying to hide from everyone like you and the symbiotes were pretty symbiotic <laughs> exactly we were joined fused <laughs> do you know how many years after those things were were uh, given away at GateCon and a number of other events for auction items those little daniel hathor symbiotes oh really no yes they were ago. they were because they were it was a bulk item and yeah. it's one of the things that uh when when GateCon would come around either uh, uh evil kenny or uh, someone else in the props department would go in and they would select items uh for GateCon to auction off because the stargate yeah. straight production was really good about that and they would give like there was like a DNA slide from an episode called Scorched Earth. They had rows and rows of these plastic things. And one of the others was the Daniel symbiotes. And I remember seeing pretty much every year another one would be brought. I can't remember how much they Give went for. away my babies. Your babies, one by one, were given away. And I'd love to see, like, if, if, if anyone's listening to me, if they can, like, post a Twitter link or something, of, yes. if anyone's got one out there. I'd love to see one. And so it's, but <laughs> Are they, they teenagers now? Probably teenagers. <laughs> Absolutely. So probably bothering someone else in the back of the neck. So, yes, exactly. But hopefully they're not bathing with them. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> Teresa MC. Sue Ann, pick, if it wasn't Hathor, pick your ne your next Stargate role. Oh, good question. Um, well, I think if I wasn't going to play... I mean, if it, if the show ever comes back, I would so love to be in it in any shape or form, whether that is playing an armchair, you know, but whatever. Um, Mocap to the extreme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could go there, man. I could be like the talking, the captain's chair. <laughs> um, I would actually love to be someone on the team or someone medical, although the medical ones always have really difficult dialogue. You've got to sprout That's all that true. medical stuff. But I'd quite like to be a doctor. Um, and if not, uh, then I love the idea of 
Uh, whoops. It's just my desk <laughs> falling. Go ahead. Are you all right? Yeah, okay, fine. I'm going to need um, some super glue, though. <laughs> I'd either like the idea of, of Hathor returning, but in a, um, in a different capacity, so mm. that she doesn't necessarily look the same. Well, obviously, she doesn't look the same, but that she doesn't, uh, you know what I mean? That she, it isn't just that one side of her with the mist and, you know, that she's learned a trick or two and, or that she teams up with someone like Apophis or something like that or, or other a new villains or other villains. Yes. And becomes their arch nemesis. What is it that's so delicious about playing the villain? Is it just that you can you can explore aspects of yourself that you wouldn't normally in a civilized society, or is it something deeper? Yeah, I mean, definitely with Hathor particularly, she's so utterly in control and so completely like uh, doesn't question anything. She believes she's doing everything for the right for her. You know, her reasoning is I'm doing it because that's what has to be done. And that is not like me at all. So I love being able to play things that are not close to me, um, which one, again, doesn't really get to do very often. You often get to play things that are much closer to what you are. Uh, so I I love that about her. Um, and I think that, again, like it would be really interesting to see Hathor in an updated, more... Uh, current version because I think that the version that we did in the 90s wouldn't hold up now you know there's those her behavior was quite questionable in certain aspects <laughs> um, and so I think that there we could there would be ways to find like more dastardly deeds for her to do but in a kind of more contemporary way mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean otherwise uh, yeah I'd love to play I'd love to be one of like the team you know, even if it's playing, I don't know, I don't care, <laughs> whatever it is. Absolutely. What in the later seasons um, of SG1, ghouls were using uh, uh, a, a particular female ghoul, I believe it was Athena, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was using a business environment uh, right. to maintain power and control. And that would have been interesting to like place, I don't know if I can see her in a business environment, but place Hathor in another position of power, you know, where she's in where she's running like a corporation to achieve her own ends. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, but it's still Hathor. Ball, Ball was doing that. He, she was working yeah. under Ball. So I totally see her as a businesswoman or a politician. I mean, <laughs> politicians we currently have. I know. know. She, absolutely. I could see her completely, completely, because I think she knows how to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she knows exactly how to get what she wants uh, in a way Obviously, she has uh, evil intent, but she she can manipulate and extract what she wants very often without having to resort to that first. And exactly. that's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, the the best villains, you know, they they take, you know, what's what's the most efficient way to to handle a situation? So, not necessarily go press the nuclear button first. It's like, okay, how can we how can we achieve what we want without absolutely destroying what we uh what we want to to pursue after uh claire cowan this is okay uh have you booked a ticket to see abba live at the new show in london (laughs) no i haven't abba the party i haven't actually yet but funny enough one of my best friends 
is going to be in it. So I am going to go. Really? Yeah, she's in the new cast because they opened, um, I think, just as we kind of went into the second hard lockdown here. And it's been massively successful, apparently. Uh, and my friend has just got a role in it. So she's going to be starting, I think, in, uh, I don't actually know when, but whatever the next company takeover is. So <clears throat> April or May, I think. Wow. So I will be going to the O2 to do some Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it live, but it's on my list. Oh, well, so. this is new. The Mamma Mia party is a new oh, show. Oh, it's a new show. Yeah, so there's Mamma Mia in the West End, which is the one I was in. And then Mamma Mia the Party is a, a brand new concept where you go and you eat and you drink. And and the whole set looks like the Taverna in the film, apparently. So you're inside of it. So you're inside of it, eating Greek food, drinking. And then there are characters, but they, they're not the same characters as in the film or the stage show. They're new characters. Wow. That's all I know. I'm definitely going to look into it for sure. Yeah, apparently it's like great, great fun. Okay. Yeah, I still have to come out to let I still owe you a visit at your shop. So yeah, absolutely. Paul Chapman, even though she is beautiful, was it a lot of pressure playing what is supposed to be the most loved and beautiful woman in all of mythology? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Less so at the time. Yeah. Much more so now when people go like, you know, oh, you've aged or, oh, and you're like, oh my God, it was 30 years ago nearly. Yeah, it's a um, long time. Yeah. So, yes, I definitely felt the pressure. And I had no idea that she was meant to, initially, obviously, when I auditioned, I didn't know she was meant to be this beautiful woman that stops everyone in their tracks. And I think I'm sure I've told this story before, but like, then I found out and I was a bit like, oh my God, no pressure. And on the very first day that I met Rick, I was standing at the craft service table with a bagel in my hand. They hadn't decided if they wanted to use my hair or a wig. And they wanted, they liked my hair color, but my hair, as you can see, is curly. And they wanted very much that kind of Cleopatra thing, the fringe. So I think I had like a stocking cap on no makeup and like half a bagel being shoved in my throat. And I felt somebody tap me on the shoulder and be like, Hey, I'm Rick. And I was in a dressing gown and I was like, get the cream cheese. Oh no. It's like, yeah, I'm the most beautiful girl in the world. (laughs) Uh. I was like, well, it's, it's uphill from here. I mean, it can only get better, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Basically, no. it was like, okay. Oh gosh, that's so funny. You know, the uh, one of my one of my favorite uh, uh, reactions from you is just a dead stare. Is we, uh, you know, we know how powerful her uh, her uh, her scent is because it's yeah. it's technologically enhanced to yeah. absolutely screw with the guys. And by the end of that first SG-1 uh, episode, the SG-1 team is immune to it. So by the time we catch up with her third of the season two, at yeah. the end of the, the very last, one of the last scenes, uh, if not uh, the last scene, she's in Rick's, she's in um, Jack's face. And he says, you know, you really ought to do something about the breath. Yeah. And the, the look back on your face is like, Really? I just gave you this powerful monologue and that's what you had to say. 
Yeah. Oh. And I'm pretty sure that was an ad lib, I think. You uh, know, why we, am I not surprised? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember, but there were many. There were many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. What, a retired millennial. Was it weird to refer to yourself as we in SG1? I thought I almost noticed a smirk a few times. Uh, it was at the audition because I didn't know. All I got originally was just like two pages of a part of the scene. And they didn't say anything about why she's referring to herself in that way. And I know at the time I was like, well, the only people I know who refer to themselves as we are royalty. So I was like, is she, is she crazy or is she a queen? Like, I didn't know what she was. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm just going to play it like, like she's royal, like that it's not a joke or awkward. So, um, but no, I think I took to it quite well. <laughs> Absolutely. I had never been, I hadn't been aware of that when I first saw the episode. I was like, who, who, I mean, the only people who refer themselves what? as we is the Borg, you know? And it's like, oh, it's a royalty thing. Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. She's yes. not just loopy. No. <laughs> queen, darling, a queen. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy says, with voicing a character like Sophie in, a, in the video game, does that inspire you to take on a live action role like that? on a TV or in, in a movie? Oh, hell yeah. I would love to. I mean, I am up for anything. That sounds very dodgy. But, I mean, you know, in terms of, of acting, yeah. I feel like I have been an actress since I was 19 years old. So I've been doing it a long time. And I love acting. I love performance. I love play. I really like to challenge myself. So, yeah, I'd love to do something like that. Unfortunately, it's not up to me. You know, one has to, you have to get an audition. You have right. to get in the room. And today with films and series, it's there's so many layers and so many people that you have to kind of like get through before you actually get a job. Um, but yes, if there are any producers out there watching, I'm very open to that. <laughs> Matt Somke wanted to know... Um... He says, if you have one, I'd like to know what your favorite John Carpenter movie is. Oh, John Carpenter. Is that like to horror films, isn't it? I think. Is it The Shining? Yeah, I believe <laughs> so. So. God, um, I'm embarrassed. I should know. Science I feel like fiction I know. and horror. I'm not um, even sure if I've seen one. I'm not Shame sure. Shame on me. Well, shame on me too. Have you got another question? <laughs> it's a long list. Okay, so like. Uh, Halloween. Uh, ah, oh yes, of course. They Halloween. live. Oh, they live would be my favorite. Oh, well, Halloween would be mine. Yeah, the first one, the you original. Did Starman. Yeah. Did the thing? Adam oh, of course, Starman. the thing. Oh, I love the thing as well. Man, that thing. But still, Halloween. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen They Live? No, I haven't. So They Live is a film where aliens have come to Earth. But we can't tell that they look like us unless you wear a certain ser uh, set of glasses, sunglasses. Uh -huh. And billboards say, like, watch TV and, you know, obey. And it's very, right. it's very subversive. But it's right. it's a Ooh, freaky film. So, John well, Carpenter. I'll check Absolutely. I, uh, I used to love horror films. I was obsessed when I was sort of like <laughs> 10, 10 to 13. Now I can only watch them like this. Like I have to hide <laughs> my hands and sort of peer through one 
Otherwise, I don't feel safe. I mean, I can barely. I'm like, I can't know. I have to. <laughs> some of them, to it there's some really good stuff out there. I oh, I, I try know. to watch one every two or three months. I'm not a gore fan. No, you know, same. But psychological, like Dawn of the yeah. Dead, like the original. Ooh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> a retired millennial also wanted to know, any of your uh, SG-1 co-stars you keep in particular touch with? Oh, loads. Yeah. I mean, Amanda and I speak quite often. I'm going to be doing her um, Gabbard event in September, which will be oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I know they've had to move that, unfortunately, because I think it was meant to be in April. Um, and you know, what was fantastic about Hathor Hosts is it completely renewed, uh, my relationship with many of the actors that I'd worked with and some who I've never worked with, like Tori and I had never worked together, but I had met her like once or twice. When I say met, it was like, hello, hi, bye-bye. So yeah, when I got in touch with her, I didn't. I wasn't sure she would say yes. I thought she might be kind of think, oh, who is this woman asking me? But she could not have been nicer. And now I love her. Love, love, love her. Um, so I, Terrell's always busy, but always, you know, speak to her. Chris Judge, speak to, I speak to Rick occasionally. Like we text, I wouldn't say very often. He tends to go off grid. Right. <laughs> um and I was exceptionally close to our darling Cliff, obviously. He was one of my dearest, dearest friends from before Stargate, um, from South Africa, from when we both grew up in South Africa. Uh, so, yeah, lots of them. And what a fine bunch of people. And I think a real testament, actually, to uh, Brad and the team for casting such a brilliant or writing, firstly, such a great show, and then also getting such a fantastic group of people together who still are friends. You know, Elena Huffman and I are good mates, like David Blue. It's just, it's amazing. Good and these people. are people, again, that I didn't necessarily work with. But yeah, good people. I'm regularly, um, to this day, surprised at uh, how willing people are to communicate uh, stories about the show and, and talk about that experience and uh, just come on and give their time for free to fans. Yeah. And then I recognize, I have to remind myself then that these people were all picked from the same bucket of creators who all had the same approach in mind. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know what? We're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy what we do. The work's going to be hard, but it's going to be great. And then exactly. when you look at it from that point, it's like, oh, all these people are going to be of the same kind of of ilk when it comes to yeah. work ethic and loving what they do. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, then that makes sense. You know, they they didn't pick a bunch of of asshats. You know, yeah. these are these are great human beings. Yeah, I think um, Joe Malozzi was saying like when I had him on the show, he's like, we made a point of like not hiring assholes because like if people would just kids in the room would be like no nope, not having them back yeah or life's too short yeah too short Absolutely. and the older i get i find that is so true like when you you can be on a great project but if the people are on it are not nice it's Ugh. it can be terrible absolutely you know, you know when, when you do like a project like the princess switch three you know, yeah. the third in a trilogy, something's got to be working and the people have got to yeah. enjoy, either really enjoy the money, like really, 
or yeah. you know enjoy coming back together and seeing one yeah. another again and appreciating the experience that they have yeah exactly i mean that was obviously the third one was much more about um a new character for well she'd been introduced in the second one but kind of like one of vanessa's characters and it was much more focused on that character fiona so uh we were certainly my character was really hardly in it um but it was so lovely that they asked me to come back at all and to sort of like you know dot the i's and and be a part of that kind of franchise because when we did the first film nobody had any idea it was going to be a success you know the first one was shot like over the summer in romania on a shoestring budget like no one knew it was a sleeper yeah and it just people just loved it so yay (laughs) <laughs> you can never tell what's going to be a huge success. You know, you can never. you can see the material and, and love the material, but if no one sees it, you so know, true. then no one's going to talk about it with their friends and it's not going to catch fire. And, yeah. and then every once in a while, one of them, you know, it renews your faith in, in the system. It's like, see, it does work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, minor girl crafty what do you think about amanda tapping and what she is doing now as a director we've talked about amanda before but yeah oh i have nothing but love for her i think that she is long answer here but i mean i think basically she is a spectacular human being she when she was acting and kind of like the only woman in that group of men powerful men she always conducted herself and still does um, with grace, humility, humor, hard work. Uh, first want to come over and say, hi, I'm Amanda. How are you? Right. No airs and graces, no nonsense. Uh, and I have a lot of time for that. Um, and she was like that on the very first day we met. And I can, you know, obviously now because of half a hosts again, because she was on the show twice and, now we're talking much more than we did say five years ago but you know I would not see her for like five years and then we'd meet at a convention like we did um uh not dragon con what's a fed con together and like she walked into the hotel I walked in it was like "Ah, how are you (laughs) and like that was it like for five days we were just inseparable and would meet at night and have drinks in her room and chat and talk about this and then I was going off to do this show in South Africa and she texted me and said have a great performance and you know that's a rare thing and I think completely genuine it's not like what can I get from you in the long run and with everyone Mm -hmm. with everyone um And then I think she's a fantastic director. I mean, I haven't seen everything she's directed, but I've made a point of watching quite a lot of the stuff that she's directed. And I think she's a fantastic director. You know, she's a really good actress, so she's got great instincts. She knows her craft. I would imagine that she's a joy to be directed by because she's a performer, so she knows exactly how to get what she needs in the shortest amount of time because television is all about you know cracking mm-hmm. on as fast as you can um so I, th- I think she's fantastic and i think it's brilliant that she's segued into directing a because we need more excellent female directors and uh b because i think it's a really smart thing for a woman as you get older as an, as an actor to have something else to do yeah, i'm always i haven't mentioned this a lot because it's like you know 
on the one hand, I'm so thrilled that she's doing what, what she wants to do. But at the same time, I miss her performances, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, she's doing what she wants to do, you know? Yeah. And all the more power to it. But at the same time, I miss seeing her in front of the camera. And I hope that she continues to do one or two here and there, you know, because yeah. she's such a good actor, you know? Exactly. And she can, she can, she brings so much out in her performance. When she appeared on yeah. Travelers, it was gold. It was absolute yeah. gold just to, just to watch her. Um, yeah. But, you know, you have to do what you love to do. And she certainly put in her time on, on different fronts in the industry. So can't blame exactly. her. And I'm sure, I'm sure that with the right project, she'll come in and she'll, you know, she'll perform again. I'm certain of it. Absolutely. We'll make her. <laughs> that sounds good. Lock Watcher, <laughs> of your three appearances, which is your favorite, in Stargate SG-1, which is your favorite? Um, I think the first one, actually, probably because I had the most to do. Right. Um, my least favorite is the last one because I didn't expect to disappear and never be seen again. I loved uh, your I, outfit in the in the second and third. Yeah, me too. And I think they got a better wig as well. So she. Oh, looked it's a different better. wig. Yeah. Oh. The first one, if you look, is quite short. The first okay. one, I think, comes about here. Okay. And then the second one is longer. So Jaffa uh, got her some some bangs trimmed. Yeah, exactly. Sli- slightly better hair. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I think probably the first one, because there was much more to to play with and and much more, to, you know, the character had a bit more of a an, an arc. Yeah. And then I loved like the kind of surprise appearance in the second one. Right. Second, uh, you know, like the kind of cliffhanger. Um, and I originally was like, yay, this could be, you know, maybe we'll be I'll be doing this for a while. You know, no, yeah. Because the very next day, I was like, "Oh, she dies." Oh. <laughs> well, she is not seen again. So, no, ever. Th- there's so there's so many. Ma- well, okay, yes, this is true. But there's there's so many gold that are that are taken out off screen, and it's like, oh, please, you know, find some way to insert yeah. them in the future. So, uh, Akosh uh, wanted to know, you know, if Hathor had been written differently nowadays, do you think? Mm she would have seduced women as well. Yeah, I do. And I think I that would be one of the things that they, uh, that could be really interesting to explore. <clears throat> I think that she would definitely seduce women and men. Um, and I think that there would m- probably be less, uh, I mean, I would quite like to, because one of the things that I have read on some of the forums and things is that people found it, some people really hated the character because they say like she raped Daniel, and I sort of like I'd never really thought that. That I was suppose not... you can think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did. Well, she's a villain. She's vicious. Exactly. So. But I was a bit like a Suan. I read that and I was like, but oh. oh god, I, I can't read these things. I was like, I but it really stayed with me because I was like, yeah. oh, um, that isn't like that was not the intention of the. I don't think at all of the writing. She was kind of in, enslaving him, right. which is still bad. But, you know, exactly that. She was a powerful villain. And I think so. I think that if it were to come back, I think it should be men and women. Yeah. And I think it should be handled with more nuance today. Yeah, absolutely. I think, no. you can do, I think you can do it in a way that she isn't like, you know, knocking them over the head and then sort of date raping them. I think there's, I think there's a better way of doing that. Well, today. I think you know they were looking at it from a mythological perspective. I recently talked with Jonathan Glassner 
um, mm. uh, just a few weeks ago who said I this was this was news to me that that your appearance was a note from uh, a, a executive saying we want we want a sexy uh, uh, female in there. And so he was like, oh, oh, well, let's do Hathor because, you know, that's that's what she yeah. is. She sex, drugs and rock and roll, baby. So yeah. that was actually created from a, from a, a note given to production. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Not. So, um, and then it grew into this this creation. But I think, yeah, I think were it done today, there would be a hell of a lot more nuance to the character, and it would be more subversive. Yes, so. and I think that you could have much more fun with her in that sense, and make her much more subversive. You don't evil. know who she's got under her control. Exactly. I have you all under control right now. I think you do. Absolutely. (laughs) And I am loving every moment of it. (laughs) All right. Um, Claire Cowan, are you still cooking and dancing? Cooking and dancing? Yes. Um, So you like to dance while you cook. I do. That is very true. I am still cooking and dancing. I'm not cooking at our (laughs) shop anymore, thankfully. Okay. Uh, But yes, I'm still cooking and still dancing. Is the shop doing good? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, knock on wood, it's doing really well. We've had to rethink how we operate as a business because COVID obviously changed everyone's um, world. So we are no longer really a cafe. We're much more now like you come in, you get your fresh bread, your pastries, your coffees, deli stuff. Yeah, but we also now have lots of fresh fruit and veggies, which we never Ah. had before. And we do still have seating, but outside only. Uh, rather than like a cafe where people, you know, sort of sit all day. And it's been great. Wow, that's great. M- uh, Miss Sunstar 81, Sue Ann, if the Tokra had removed Hathor from the host, what would that yes. host herself have been like? Ooh, that's such a good question. Hmm tortured a lot of the a lot of the hosts are tortured yeah um, they th- we, we saw apophis he was basically his host was basically living inside of like a like just in this long cavern of a nightmare inside of his mind you know but yeah. he, he's one of the older ghouls well i guess hathor was too so man yeah. there'd, be a, there'd be a lot of emotional baggage yeah exactly i think um it would be really interesting to see the opposite of mm. what she is like with the host. So very, maybe exactly that broken, uh, betrayed, um, introverted. And we could find it. Yeah. Like completely the opposite, like, mm-hmm. but, and also maybe like kind of be, like, why has this happened? You right. know, shell shocked and, but yeah, great question. I need it more. I have to think about that a bit more, but that would be my instinctive answer. It'd be the be all and end all of post-traumatic stress. For sure, yeah. um, it's just these 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 beings inhabiting you and 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 revivifying you over thousands of years in a in a That's metal cool. box and yeah. crazy stuff. I wanted to ask you if you remember a story from GateCon of a rugby ball <laughs> during a ball game that was being broadcast, I believe at your and Cliff's request. 
Well, his, I think. I was like, oh, all right, because it's South Africa. Oh, oh, okay. Do you remember this story? Because Steph Rogers, the GateCon team, she always tells it because it uh, damaged some production equipment. Where I kicked poor Elaine in the face with a rugby ball. (laughs) (laughs) Showing once and for all that ball games are not my forte. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I do remember that. And then I broke her camera. Oh, I have never lived this down. I've apologized. I'm so sorry, Elaine, yet again. <laughs> oh, gosh. So there yes, was. I do remember that vividly. Do you know that Alan worked it into the set? No. So he has. Alan Gowan is, is famous for his uh, Stargate sets. He, he's, he has a theater background, so he actually right. builds the sets for, for GateCon. And in one of them, it is an image of Hathor in her Egyptian form. Holding a rugby ball. Oh, I love that. Please take a photograph for me when, when you guys are there. I will have him send one. Sadly, uh, I'm not going. <laughs> well, I, I know it's happening at the same time as the Gabbard event, which is a whole other conversation. Yeah, to be. I, I wasn't invited, but anyway. Well, but you're... Mind. Oh, well, okay. But I will make sure that you that you <laughs> get sorry. that section of... Um, of the set because it is a beauty. Yeah, okay, great. Sure. Thank you. It has been so wonderful um, having you back. I am always grateful that you're willing to come on the show and tell us about what's uh, what's up and and sharing more memories of of being on this 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 wonderful television show that that we share. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that you're doing well and that you're keeping busy. Thank you. Yes, I start filming uh, in the next two weeks on a on a new series. Um, which is all I can say right now. So that's quite exciting and lots of lovely things uh, coming up. Well, we're going to keep an eye on your Twitter and help share that news. So once that information comes out, please uh, let us know. I will do. I definitely will. Thank you so much. It's so good having you, Sue Ann. Thank you so much for tuning in. For tuning in. That's my audience. Thank you so much for stopping by. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And thanks so much for joining us, everyone. What a brilliant uh, evening, afternoon for you. Um, But yeah, really great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sue Ann. You take care. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Sue Ann Braun, Hathor stargate sg1 and if you want to check out dying light 2 it is available on steam also uh, playstation 4 playstation 5 the xbox one and the series x and s and it's going to be coming out on nintendo switch as well we really do appreciate you tuning in dial the gate is brought to you every week for free and we do appreciate you watching and if you want to support the show further buy yourself some of our themed swag t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts and hoodies for all ages as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com you go check out the design that you want and take it from there you just click on the design and see what options are available check out is fast and easy and you can use your credit card or paypal just visit dialthegate.com or go straight to dialthegate.com slash merch and thanks so much for your support we have guests scheduled for uh, next week and the week after. There was a slight scheduling adjustment because of, well, you know, life happens. Uh, on the 19th, Saturday of March at 2 p.m., Jeff Golka is going to be joining us. 2 p.m. Pacific time. He played young Charlie in season two of Stargate SG-1. What was the episode? Hide, is it hide and seek? Is it hide and seek? Let me see here, Jeff. Show and tell. I was wrong. Show and tell. 
And on the 26th of March at 12 p.m. Pacific time, Brittany Irvin, Britt Irvin, who played Marin in Stargate SG-1 Season 3's Learning Curve. The kids of Stargate are coming out this March, and we're happy to have them now as grown-ups to discuss their experiences growing up on uh, the show. Thanks so much to my producer, Linda Gate Gabber Fury, uh, for helping to make the show the pos- possible, as well as my moderating team, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, and Anthony. You guys make the show possible. Big thanks to Frederick Marcou at Concepts Web, our web developer on Dial the Gate. Also, a big thanks to Jeremy Heiner, our webmaster, who keeps the site up to date. And I did have a couple of questions for me. Teresa MC, would you be patient enough for a complete Wraith makeup? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the, those, I mean, we're talking three or $4,000 for a process like that. But I would be absolutely, you know, willing to go through that process if uh, we could have something like that for um, the show. I don't know if I would want a Wraith, though. Maybe. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Christina DeLuise, has there been any news on Stargate? Well, um, there is a YouTuber has been purporting to have some information I can't speak to any of that. There are a lot of rumors flying around out there until we get more information, you know, directly from uh, the horse's mouth, uh, i.e., you know, MGM directly. You know, just consider everything with a grain of salt. Um, there's a lot of people who are taking advantage, you know, of this of this lull period for clickbait and everything else. So um, keep your head screwed on straight. Um, Gateworld, I know, will not publish any information unless it's unless it's verified. Darren has never had to retract a story. Um, that's what we've got. I appreciate you so much for tuning in. Uh, episode 123. We have we have more to go, and uh, it's it's means so much to me uh, to be able to continue to uh, do the show for you. And thanks so much again to Sue Ann Braun, uh, my co-host for this episode. We will see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening.